Okay. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Editor Knows Best. My name is Katyra Poland, and I'm the hostess of the podcast you're tuned into now. Um, our show airs every other Monday. Um, you can catch us on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else where you can find a podcast, you can find Editor Knows Best. Um, and that airs every other Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern. So please do tune in again. Um, we do have a special guest today. Um, so I'm excited to introduce him and um, for you guys to get to hear from him. And I'm excited to hear from him as well. Um, he currently serves as town manager in Newton, New Jersey, with over 11 years of dedicated service to the county seat of Sussex County, New Jersey. He has over 20 years of experience in municipal and county government, as well as the nonprofit sector. His experience includes budgeting, purchasing, human resources, public relations, project oversight, and contract negotiations, uh, government relations, economic revitalization, and redevelopment, and additionally, community relations. He is a competent and confident servant leader, a proven visionary, and strategic thinker with highly effective communication and organizational skills. And last, but certainly not least, he is also an author. Thank you so much for joining us today, Thomas. It's a Thank pleasure. you for the opportunity. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. Thank you for the opportunity to speak You're with welcome. you. I appreciate it very much. You are welcome. I'm so glad you could join us and uh, share all that um, you've experienced and all your feedback with our audience. So uh, myself, as well as the audience, would love to know more about your book. Tell us the title, um, what it's about, and what motivated you to write your book. Sure. The title of my book is There Are No Politics in Heaven. And the subtitle is A Recovering Politician's Guide to Christian Living. So I was a, a political government junkie when I was a kid. And while other kids were doing coloring books, I was coloring electoral college maps as a, as a young <laughs> lad. And um, I just knew that government and politics was my jam at a very young age. Um, the, the problem for me as a child growing up was that I suffered from a lot of bullying and a lot of... Um, challenges emotionally growing up that really reared their ugly head in my 30s and 40s because um, I never really dealt with them because you know nobody really talked about mental health challenges and services back you know 20 30 40 years ago yeah so you know kind of fast forward I, I was very successful in politics at a young age I was the youngest ever elected in my hometown and I you know had great career success and kind of external success but I had a lot of internal emptiness and the challenge for me as a child growing up was I starved myself in high school to lose the weight so that people would find me acceptable. And so I lost about 100 pounds. And then I found that people were very nice to me because they liked the shell that I gave them. Right. And the challenge for me was losing that shell, becoming more acceptable to the crowd or other people, if you will. Right. And then I went into politics. And the worst thing you can do is have low self-esteem and go into politics. Mm -hmm. And then politics became my drug. Politics became where I found that adulation and affection and affirmation from other people because I wasn't giving it to myself. And so that became my story for much of my life. And then fast forward a few years ago when I got remarried and went back into politics, the exact same thing happened all over again. And in September of 2015, I got to that decision point where I was either going to kill myself or I was going to live and I decided to live, but I knew I needed to live differently and choose a different path. And for me, that path became spirituality. So what, what became the book is actually my life story 
of the challenges that I experienced growing up from childhood through adulthood, and then how I managed the, that change and that transition from somebody who obsessed with politics and with the affirmation of others and found that self-esteem self -esteem within. So that's the journey. And, you know, people get a kick out of the title because, you know, it's a funny title. It's eye-catching. But really, the title was written for the audience as much as it was for myself because the title, There Are No Politics in Heaven, is me telling myself there are no that the thing that I valued the most was not going to get me to the promised land and that I needed to, you know, politics was my drug, politics was my porn, politics was my affair, politics was my gambling, like you, you, you name the addiction or you name the challenge that other people experience. For me, it was politics. That was how I got high on, on things and I needed to find a different path and spirituality became that different path. And the book really, when I wrote the book and published the book, it opened a million other doors for me. So I, you know, I'm grateful when I get to speak to people about my journey because everybody has a story to tell. I just had the courage to put it in writing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing a part of your story, such a, a vulnerable part of your story. Um, and I know that we have listeners who have experienced that before um, or maybe worried that that could happen to them in the future. So I would love to know like, what recommendations you have for aspiring authors who want to write about their stories, but maybe feel um, maybe are hesitant to do that because they're not comfortable with other people knowing their story. Mm. The first thing I tell them is, you know, it's interesting you put it that way because I, the genesis of the book was actually a workshop. I created the outline of a workshop because I thought, okay, well, I almost blew up my life literally and figuratively. So I want to tell my story, but I wanted to do it by empowering and teaching other people. So I created the workshop. I showed it to people. And the most common answer I got back from people was, hey, this is great, but did you ever think about writing a book? And I was like, and, you know, the joke was, all right, who wants to read a book about a recovering politician? That sounds stupid, <laughs> right? And, I, and ironically, a lot of people want to read a book about a recovering politician because the book sold very well on Amazon. So the first thing I tell people is don't, don't underestimate the value of your story just because, you know, like, you know, you're thinking about, well, who's going to buy the book or how many books am I going to sell? Like, don't use that as your motivator. The motivator needs to be, do you have a compelling story? Are you authentic? And do you want to share that part of you with the world? Because, yeah, I mean, when I wrote my book, you know, it took me six months to write the book. I remember when I finished the first draft, I just sat in front of my computer and cried because I was like, I can't believe I just put my life on, yeah. in writing on a computer and now I'm going to have it edited and, and I'm going to publish it. And somebody at some point that I've never met He's going to spend $20 on Amazon and buy the book. And hopefully the story means something to them. But, I, you know, in many ways, I'll never know, right? Like, I'll never know if that book meant something to somebody. Although, you know, I've gotten feedback from other people. Um, so it, the reality is, if you think it's compelling, if you think there's a, a reason to tell your story, tell the story. And whether you sell one book or a thousand or 10,000, the point, the point isn't, you know, to be the next Stephen King or John Gordon or Dave Ramsey or whoever you like to read. The point is, will somebody, will that book have impact? Will it mean something to people? And, you know, with the pandemic and all the things that people are experiencing with mental health challenges, I mean, you know, 
the third largest cause of death in New Jersey and in the in the country is suicide ages 15 to 24. Like that, that's the third largest cause for young people. So think of the challenges that young people are experiencing through the pandemic and just life in general. So, you know, my story is about mental health challenges and about redemption. But there are other people who have amazing stories about family issues or challenges or other struggles that they've been through. If you, if you can impact and empower one person to change their life and their trajectory, you're going to affect not just that person, but you're going to affect their spouse or their kids or their community or their workplace. And that's huge. And I think, you know, if, if love is the common denominator through all religions and faiths, then I think, you know, the, you got to look at your book as an expression of love because you never know whose life you may change. Absolutely. And I'll echo you that um, to our listeners. If, if you have a story to tell, um, you should tell it. Um, sometimes it's easier said than done, but um, just know that your story matters and that there are people who care, that there are people who will buy your book um, and you will make a difference in other people's lives. And then um, usually, usually make a positive difference in your own life by telling your story. So don't let anyone deter you. Um, there are plenty of resources and people like um, myself and like Thomas and other authors who are here to help you. So don't let that um, stop you from pursuing your dreams and telling your story. So I know earlier that you did mention um, the bullying, bullying in your childhood, but the impact that it had in your adulthood. So how would you, how did you work through that? And what would you recommend to our listeners who also um, have suffered from the, the impact of bullying? Yeah, so the you know looking back over my life and my you know personal and professional relationships, it was that you know the being being the fat kid that everybody made fun of, um, and the bullying and the and the abuse that went with it, verbal and physical, you know did a job on me emotionally. And what I realized when I lost the weight and you know starved myself, which wasn't a great strategy, but I starved myself to lose the weight to get that adulation and acceptance from other people. Um, fast forward into the adulthood and it was kind of the same thing all over again. And I realized that, and you know, I'm, I'm spiritual, right? So for me, it was okay, well, well, God, you know, God made me whole, perfect and complete. And then the world kind of screws you up as you go through life. So I said, well, I wanna, I wanna get back to that person I was as a child before all the bullying happened and I was very happy and I was very thin and I was very joyful. And I, I've spent the past few years be, between the book and the consulting and all the other things I'm doing, just getting back to that natural state of joy that I think we're all born with. And so the, one of the steps was accepting who I was and being able to look in the mirror. And this is hard to say, but you know, when I was going through my depression and anxiety, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. And that's a sad state to be in because if I couldn't accept myself, if I couldn't love myself, I couldn't accept and love other people. And that's what I tell people when I coach them is that, you know, we all want to have love. We all want relationships, men, women, or children, you know, whoever. And it's like, you can't give away what you don't have. So if you don't have love for yourself, you can't, you can't give that away. It's just, it, it doesn't work. So what I, you know, what I tell people is with the bullying and all the mental health challenges is, and you know, I went through spiritual counseling. I did traditional counseling. So for me, it was an all hands on deck approach. And I walked away from politics. 
when I was done with my term in the town I live in, I didn't run for re-election. It was the second time I was an elected official. Mm-hmm. I walked away from the thing I thought was the most important thing in my life. And when I did that, God opened up a hundred other doors for me, whether it's the book, the consulting, the, the coaching I do and the teaching at five colleges I do now. I mean, the amount of things that opened up is ridiculous because, but I was willing to walk away from the thing that I thought defined me. So, you know, to me, you know, everybody has value, every job, every volunteer work has value. Um, you need to have faith bigger than your fear because faith is important. And I'm not just saying, you know, from a Christian worldview, but I'm saying from, you know, a spiritual worldview as well. And I needed to be kind to myself. In the end, it was stop pursuing perfection, focus on excellence and, you know, figure out what my purpose was in this lifetime and just focus on that purpose. And that, that, those are the things that changed my thinking about who I was and what value I brought to the the world at large. Sure. Thank you so much. That is awesome. And thank you for um, sharing, you know, how you overcame that and the inspiration behind that. Um, Before we transition into learning more about your business, um, now that we know why you wrote the book, we'd love to know um, a little bit more about the publishing process. Did you self-publish or did you do traditional and what your recommendations would be for our listeners who uh, may want to follow in your footsteps? Great question, because I struggled with that question a lot during the writing process. Um, I did take classes and I did learn from other people about the writing and editing process. So I did do that. Um, and that was a time and money investment that, I, you know, because, you know, I'm a town manager, so I'm, I'm running a town yeah. and now I'm trying to convert my skill set to actually writing a book. And, and, you know, it's a different industry. Right. So I, right. I wanted to immerse myself in that. So I learned about the writing. I learned about the editing. My best friend runs the Annenberg School of Journalism at USC. So I was blessed to have him edit my book. Mm -hmm. But I don't care who you are. You need somebody smarter than you to look at that first draft and look at that material to really, you know, to give you that critical eye. And then I'll be honest, I struggled with if I was going to self-publish or if I was going to work with a publisher Mm -hmm. and being a spiritual guy, I prayed about it. I thought about it. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go to the self-publishing route, um, which maybe I know that's not the sexy thing that people want to hear because everybody has this, you know, we're going to get that contract with Simon and Schuster and it's going to be this really cool thing. And you know what, for some people that may happen, but for me, I felt that the timing of the release of the book was important to me. And, you know, in hindsight, it was before the pandemic, thank God, but, um, I self-published. I went through Amazon. I did their, their Kindle direct publishing. I found that process very easy. They, there was professional people that they recommended that you could work with. I, I worked with a marketing company on the design. I designed that the cover of the book by hand because I knew wow. in my mind what I wanted it to be. But obviously I had a company that designed it from a professional perspective. And then it was, you know, all hands on deck. It was Amazon and it was, and you know, to this day it still sells well. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I think people need to follow their heart, whether they want to self-publish it or go the traditional, because there's pros and cons each. Traditional can open more doors. Right. It could be more expensive. It could be it could take longer to, to do self-publishing. Obviously, you have more control, right. um, but you might not have the wide wider audience that you're looking for. So it really depends. And I know people that have done both. So there's, there's no right or wrong answer on that. I, I just chose the path that I thought was appropriate for me. Absolutely. Um, And I'll second that and just encourage everyone to do your due diligence. 
So um, like Thomas said, um, you have to figure out what will work best for you. Do you have a budget to pay for traditional? Um, are you okay with letting go of some of the creative control or do you wanna control everything? Um, do you wanna find your own editor, your own graphic designer or do you want someone to handle that for you? So those are questions you'll have to answer uh, once you have done your research. So now that we know about your book, um, which by the way, the title is There Are No Politics in Heaven and that's Thomas Russo Jr. Um, so now that we know about your book, I'd love to know a little bit more about your business, um, who your target market is, and the services that you offer. So I write the book, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm thinking very narrow in the beginning. Of my audience is going to be men, ages 25 to 55, and those are the individuals that are going to buy the book. And then as I, as the book starts to sell, I'm finding that women are reading the book as much, if not more so, than the men, and getting just as much out of it which surprised me, I'm not going to lie. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting because even though it's my story and it's written from a male perspective of, you know, a lower middle-class guy who was Italian Catholic in New Jersey and became a politician or whatever, um, the backstory and the emotion and the struggle behind the story resonates with everybody. It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not limited to a gender or an ethnicity. It's right. universal. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the, the, the audience is much broader than I actually thought it would be in the beginning. And um, the book became the impetus for the consulting because then it was people want to hear me speak. It's not just the book selling on Amazon. It's going to a church or going to a group and speaking about the book. Then that became the individual coaching I do now, which, you know, I wasn't really anticipating, but now I, I'm the one who's the life coach. I'm the one who's the executive coach. I'm the one who, instead of going to those resources, now I'm the resource. So that script is completely flipped where people come to me now and want to work with me individually. And I have a coaching program I'm launching in a few weeks um, called the Vortex of Excellence. I trademarked the program and I built it based on the experiences I've had working with others and the things that I learned. And now I'm like, you know what? Now it's my turn to share that information and knowledge and empower the next generation of leaders spiritually to say, hey, you know, you're gonna, you know, people grow up and don't realize the struggles are going to come. And I, I hate to say, we're really not taught that, but we're, whether it's our parents or society, nobody ever really tells you the bad things that are coming, whether it's the cancer or whether it's the job loss or whether it's the affair or the gambling, or the addiction, or the financial loss, like challenges come. So teaching people to be resilient and to persevere is critical. And I, you know, I have two college-age daughters, and my wife and I are very big on teaching them to be strong, powerful, resilient young women because I want them to be successful, and even beyond my wildest dreams of the success that I've had, and my wife has had. So um, the book has really opened the doors of the coaching and the training and this coaching program that I'm launching, and it became the, uh, the door for the teaching I do now at, at five different universities. So it's very interesting how, you know, God will open those doors. Um, and, you know, it was the book. It's been the book the past couple of years that has driven a lot of this success. So that, that I find that to be very interesting um, because I think other people, when they tell their story, they might find similar opportunities you know, like I work with governments, I work with nonprofits, right? Because that's my strength. I'm, I'm, you know, that that's where my creativity lies in those two industries. So the book and my story 
it, it, it resonates with people across platforms and across industries. And um, I don't think that's unique. I, I think, you know, it's unique for me, but I think it can happen to other people too. So I think people need to be willing to fail. People need to be willing to succeed and they need to be willing to get out of their comfort zone because you never know what that book might open or what story, um, you know, that your story might open for other people. So it's, it's a very interesting journey, I would say. For sure, definitely. Um, and before we wrap up, will you just please reiterate um, who the who your target market is for the consulting and coaching and also the name of your business and then follow that with how people can be get in touch with you if they're interested in your book and or your services. Sure. So, you know, I work with government agencies, local, county and state. I work with nonprofits, small to midsize. Um, I'm very big on the SWOT analysis, so I'm very good at going in and working with organizations and doing the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And honestly, I do that with individuals too. I'm, I'm very good at working with my clients saying, okay, snapshot in time. And, you know, my vortex of excellence breaks it down into eight categories of let's get a snapshot of where you are today, where the, where the weak points are, and how we can make improvements to up-level your life in, you know, whether it's career relationship, mental health, physical health, or whatever it is. So I do that with organizations in the government nonprofit space. I do it with individuals. I do small group coaching. I do individual coaching. Name of the business is Russo Communications, LLC. My website, nopoliticsinheaven.com. Also, thomasrussojr.com. The book is available on the website and also Amazon. And like I said, I, I, the difference between myself and other coaches is that the success that I see with the individuals I work with, it means something to me and it resonates because when you've been as low as I used to be and I was low and I almost killed myself, that to me, every day is a bonus. Every day is a joy. So I want to share that joy with other people and I want people to experience their best life. And just with the amount of suffering I see around me, I just know that there's a lot of potential and a lot of opportunity because God didn't want us to be miserable. God wanted us to be successful and if I can help people be successful through the coaching or the book or the training, then that just brings me a lot of joy and, and, and a lot of gratitude at the same time. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your story um, and being an inspiration um, for those who maybe were in your shoes or are currently feeling the things that you felt and the experience of things that you have gone through. So I certainly appreciate uh, your perseverance and that um, you turned it around and that you were able to identify that you were having a concern, but you took steps to resolve that and, and become a much better person and um, find your happiness. So that is amazing. Um, I'd also like to thank the audience um, for listening and tuning in. Again, feel free to reach out to Thomas about his book um, and also his services. Um, thanks again, everyone. And again, uh, Editor Knows Best airs every other Monday. Um, and you can find us anywhere you can find a podcast. Thanks and be safe and be well, everyone. Um.